0: What's going on and welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seakeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my partner in crime, Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Just two more player recaps for you as we wrap up the Pelicans 2021-22 season. We had Najee Marshall yesterday. Today, we'll talk about Devontae Graham and wrap things up tomorrow with Billy Hernan Gomez. And Jim, what I've kind of noticed when doing these, and hopefully this is the last year of having to worry about this, is the fact that a lot of these players were recapping this is their first season with the Pelicans, not only whether it's a rookie or whether it's just a lot of new faces on this team. When We talk about CJ McCollum, we talk about Larry Nance, we talk about the Herb Joneses and the Jose Alvarados and now Devontae Graham. And uh, it's just something that I feel like next year it's going to be all about guys that have already played with this team before, which is a good thing.
1: Definitely. I mean... To your point i think partly you that could explain some of why the team got off to a slow start we we know that it helps to have some chemistry developed it helps to have a group of guys that have been together for a few years i mean i think we see this with some of the teams that are still in the playoffs like dallas in miami for example i mean every team really but those the teams that kind of have exceeded expectations and achieved a lot i mean for me The Mavericks, you look at them partly as a team that maybe they don't seem loaded talent-wise, but they have a group of guys between Brunson and Finney Smith and Maxi Kleba that have been together with Luka Doncic and played. I mean, that's how you end up sometimes getting a lot out of the group of guys that you have is that they have an advantage of cohesiveness. And I feel like that's something that New Orleans showed, but maybe mostly in the second half of the season after guys had gotten used to each other. And it takes a while to get to figure out what a guy's strengths are. And, um, I mean, you're doing it in NBA games against NBA competition, so it's not easy, but, um, you're right. I, I would hope that, um, I'm sure next year we'll be talking about how did this guy do in his second or third season with new Orleans, which has only been the case with a few guys, including, um, the one we did on Monday with Najee Marshall. It's nice to be able to say, okay, what did this guy do his first season here? And then how did he build on, build on that in his second and third seasons? So let's
0: let's summarize Devontae Graham's season. There were some ups and downs with him um, being the guard, lead guard uh, for a long time before C.J. McCollum came into the fold. But how would you describe Devontae Graham's 2021-22 season?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a very prominent part of what they were trying to do, especially earlier in the season. It's interesting to me, like one of the stats that stands out that is almost a little surprising when you look back on it after you saw the end of the season in the playoffs is that he started 63 games. So, I mean, he was a very important part of of what they did, I think, early in the season. Obviously, I'm sure we'll end, end up talking about this, that he had two game winners, which was more, I think, than anybody else on the team. I think Brandon Ingram had one. I can't remember if there were any other game-winning baskets over the course of the season. So, But he, um, he went from really a starter every single game. He started... The first 54 times he played this season, he was a starter. Then when C.J. McCollum was acquired, he kind of alternated back and forth between a starter and coming off the bench and then um, mostly or exclusively came off the bench towards the end of the regular season and then in the playoffs, especially when the team was at full strength.
0: let's talk about those game-winning shots because with the Pelicans getting into the play-in Um, It wasn't by a a big margin. And with two game-winning shots from Devontae Graham, again, you can break down all the the wins and say, if it wasn't for this win, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But with the two shots, the one in Utah, I think the importance of that one was really impressive with getting a win in Utah on the first night of a back-to-back against them after Thanksgiving. But then the difficulty of the second shot against Oklahoma city and how far he had to shoot in order to get it in Um, both impactful as far as getting the Pelicans in, but two very impressive shots that uh, led to Pelicans victories.
1: It was part of, we talked about this with Jonas Valanciunas. It was part of the effort that the team made in the beginning part of the season, just to kind of um, stay above water. I mean, they had to do everything they possibly could to, not fall so far out of the playoff race that they had no chance or the play in race, I guess is a better way to describe it. So, yeah, I mean, the, unfortunately the wins were few and far between in the first month plus of the regular season, but man, that Utah shot to me was huge because you know, it gave them some confidence and uh, gave them one of their best road wins of the season against, you know, in terms of the wins that they got, that was one of the best, opponents that they played all year especially early in the season when Utah was playing much better I think than they were during the second half of of the year so um had to had to get as try to figure out a way to get as many wins as you can you could before the season really flipped I think in January and February um but especially on the road where it was really difficult to to come up with victories
0: I know you are the uh leading man when it comes to hashtag always heave I know in these situations you have to heave like if it's going for a game winning shot, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's passing it up. No matter if it's maybe, it, maybe, maybe,
1: maybe Will Guillory would, would say, Hey, I know it's a tie game, but I uh, want to keep my field goal percentage up. So
0: instead of shooting three of 15, uh, 16, he goes three of 15. Cause he doesn't exactly. take that last one. Exactly. Shots fired. Will Guillory. I'm just kidding.
1: I like the fact that he's not here. He can't defend himself. That's on the this best part well. of it. That's the
0: best <laughs> part of it. Um, but to le- the left, the, Let's go into your theory a little bit because it's gone both ways this season as far as hashtag always heave. Um, but it, it is crazy to think about the the ones that not only don't attempt the shot but pretend like they actually are but just, oh, they're just too late after the buzzer <laughs> ends in order to then they take the shot and sometimes they even go in.
1: You know, I, this it just occurred to me that there's an always heaved hashtag but there's no hashtag in the other direction. I think because people are ashamed of themselves and they don't want to Come out and admit that they just tucked the ball into their pocket and let the buzzer go off. Could it so be I,
0: hashtag no heave. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, it could be, but yeah, I I always say, I mean, kind of jokingly, but jokingly, but also kind of seriously, that I, when a player, you always hear players after the game say, you know, I did everything I possibly could to to try to win this game. I, you know, no, I I'm not. I'm proud of the effort that we gave, and I'm always like, well, if you're not in camp hashtag always heave you actually didn't do everything that you possibly could could to win the game
0: it's also they're the same people that give the uh ball to someone else uh at the end of a quarter so they don't get a turnover right or at the end of a half or end of the ball Mm -hmm. game where they're dribbling it out they don't want the turnover in the the game those are the guys that send the ball over to a rookie and say this is yours (laughs)
1: yeah i don't understand it and i probably never will understand it but i am happy to say that I believe over the course of the season and over the last course of the last couple seasons that I, and I'm not going to be the only one to take credit for this, but many people around here, I think, have gotten people convinced to a large degree that um, always heave is the is the uh, the side of the equation that you need to be on. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's talk about with Devontae Graham.
0: Obviously, a lot of his effectiveness comes from his shooting whenever he's able to knock down shots. How can a guy like Zion Williamson Um, coming back next year, help Devontae Graham um, as far as his production?
1: Yeah, it was something that people asked Devontae in his exit interview at the end of April, and Devontae said Zion can help anybody's game out. He makes life easier for everybody. Um, And Devontae talked about how he didn't get a chance to play with him this season, but obviously he's looking forward to playing with him next season just based on what being an opponent of Zion and seeing what he's capable of and even watching him work out um this this season as he tried to get back onto the court and tried to get you know in in position to be able to contribute um i think his devonte's three point percentage went down this year from what he did in charlotte i was expecting that to kind of go the opposite way because i thought you know um playing with some of the guys that playing with brandon ingram and obviously we thought he was going to play with zion as well that never materialized so um i think he took devonte took a lot of tough shots and i think he was billed as a, a tough shot maker as he when, when he was added to the roster last summer, and I think he did come through on that. I mean, he he makes more pull-up threes than most guys do. He's not just um, existing on a diet of spot-up shots where he's standing in the corner and the ball comes to him and his feet are set. He definitely takes and ha- it, it was forced into a situation where he had to take some high degree of difficulty deep threes this year, um, but I think with Zion and, and a and I'm obviously C.J. McCollum now for the full season. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of impact that's going to have on Devontae. Just the quality of the shots that he gets, I, I think, will will go up. And we'll hopefully get to see more of what we thought he was going to be able to do and kind of the take advantage of just his, his shooting ability for what he showed the three seasons that he played for the Charlotte Hornets.
0: And that could impact the team's three-point shooting overall because this is a team that really did struggle a little bit with with sure. with, with knocking down the threes with attempts and 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 shooting the three um it just seemed like overall this Pelicans team maybe that was the one thing that was lacking to get them over the hump was the the team's efforts uh, behind the arc
1: yeah there's no doubt to me in the NBA in 2022 i mean that's something that has to be um addressed something that has to be improved it's very difficult in the NBA, the way the game is played right now, to be an average or especially below average three-point shooting team and still achieve your goals and still be a team that, you know, exceeds expectations or makes a deep playoff run. I actually have a couple stats along those lines that I wanted to to mention. Um, the Pelicans finished 27th in three-point percentage this year. So I wanted to ask you, of the bottom 10 teams in three-point percentage, this season, during the regular season, how many of them do you think made the playoffs? Zero, one, one. You forgot the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a trick question. <laughs> yes, so one, only one of the bottom ten teams in the in three point percentage in that stat um, made the playoffs, and actually. If I asked you if if I had asked you the question how many of them had winning records and you said 0 you would have been correct because well, why didn't you ask me that then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad on that one. Yeah. So here's another one of the top 12 teams in the NBA in three-point percentage, how many of them had winning records? Out, out of 12. The 12? top 12? Yes.
0: I'm thinking it could be 12 but maybe 11 out of 12.
1: Your first instinct was correct. 12 of 12. It was t- the the All 12 of the top 12 teams in three-point percentage had winning records. Of that group, the only two teams that um, didn't make the playoffs but did make the play-in were the Clippers and the Hornets. They both had winning records but um, obviously didn't make the playoffs. So um, it just goes to show you, I mean, that stat kind of blew me away. I was not expecting it to be that kind of clear cut of, like, bottom 10 in that stat, you have a losing record. Top 12 in that stat, you have a winning record. It just goes to show you the – importance. And I'll ask a couple quick ones. I feel like we should have some dramatic like Jeopardy music for this. Yeah. But You're giving um, me a headache with all these three <laughs> questions. Of the top 6 teams in the NBA in three-point makes per game, how many of them had winning records?
0: Makes. 6. Yes, all you are six.
1: You are correct. And of the bottom 6 in three-point makes, um how many of them had a uh, winning record? 0. Brr, incorrect. Only one did. It was the Bulls. The Bulls had the, I believe they were 28th or 29th in three point makes. They were the only team in that group to have a winning record. So, anyways, I just, need to
0: look over these trivia questions before we get started here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, anyways, just just more evidence of. I mean, we we can we've talked about. I've talked about it personally all season. I mean, I feel like sometimes I go overboard with it, but the stats don't lie. I mean, the stats just back up everything that we've discussed over the last few years that you got to, you have to be in the top tier of the league or in the top half, at least if you want to be a playoff. I mean, the Pelicans made the playoffs, but it was obviously by the skin of their teeth to be totally honest with you. And hopefully next season with a full year of CJ McCollum, some of the other top weapons, including Zion back on the court, it's going to bump up the three point percentages of other guys. Um, You can't finish 27th in the league in three point percentage again, next season. Um, Especially when you consider, I think, the three teams that finished behind them in that stat were all what I would consider to be kind of developing teams, you know, Oklahoma City, Orlando, Detroit, teams like that. So you were really the only team um, that made the playoffs and had a a good run at the end there that was able to overcome that being so um, at such a disadvantage in that stat.
0: For more trivia questions, you can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim <laughs> underscore I can offer. You can also follow him for every article that he writes and all of his NBA analysis. And also the Twitter poll question for each player that we've been doing. What you got for Devontae Graham?
1: Sure. The The question was, what was your favorite game winning three pointer by Devontae this season? There were two to choose from, obviously. Um, the winner was Devontae's 61 foot shot at Oklahoma City on December 15th that picked up uh, 67% of ballots, obviously, right about two-thirds. And then the November 26 pull-up three that he made kind of in transition against Utah was the other 33%. Um, a couple of the comments from at L-O-Z-I-U-U, not sure how to say that. They said... Yeah, They said OKC was pure luck. Utah was cojones. I changed the word to call it cojones, so...
0: Well done. This is a family friendly show. Jim. Exactly.
1: And then the, the second comment was from, I think someone that we're quite familiar with, a, AKA Todd Graffanini, the, the uh, radio play-by-play man around here. He tweeted for me, it was Utah. The opportunities for new Orleans to win in that building always have been few and far between actually he said league wide. I, I shouldn't have added the new Orleans basically part of it. It's, I mean, it's difficult to win in that building is what he was saying. And then he added that was a stone-cold dagger.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could go either way, but also are we sure that that's not Nathan Graffinini? Because Ooh.
1: You know what? I think I got that. That tweet came in um, maybe 10 before days ago before the hacking, so I, I'm confident that that was from our friend.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, Todd has been the victim of one of those hacking where his uh, Twitter account turns into a Bitcoin or uh, crypto Uh, account where there's a monkey as his profile and he's Mm -hmm. changed his name to Nathan grap. So I think now from now on, just as a joke and it'd probably really infuriate him if you call him Nathan instead (laughs) of Todd, I'm going to be all aboard the Nathan train. Um, I know it's not funny as far as I'm getting hacked, but still Um, again, you could go with both. I think the impact of the Utah one, especially with how much they struggled at the beginning of the year, was really effective, but the level of difficulty for the OKC one, and he needed that victory there. I mean, that those were one of those games you have to win, and um, especially after Shea Gilgis-Alexander hit the one, you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then Devontae exactly. hit
0: it. Uh, they were both quite impressive.
1: Yeah, the you said it, what I was going to mention, uh, the, the OKC one was just such a huge relief because I forget what happened in maybe the last couple minutes of the OKC game, but it, it seemed like one of those games where it was complete, not just the Shea Gildas Alexander shot, but if I remember correctly, it was just preposterous in general that OKC got to the point where they tied the game up with two seconds left or whatever it was. Right. So that was such a such a, a crazy moment of just being like, I mean, it was shocking no matter what, but it was it was a huge relief to say, oh, they're still going to win this game after something ridiculous like Shea making a off balance forty footer be- right before that was.
0: Yeah, the, the wide range of emotions from our Nathan Graffanini went from, oh, heavens, here we go, to, oh, my gosh, here we go. <laughs> Look what happened. So um, it was definitely fantastic um, to see that happen, and and hopefully more to come for Devontae Grimm as far as game-winning shots, and hopefully maybe they don't come down to that. Maybe he'll just start heaving for half-court shots and getting some points that way. Jim, I appreciate it, and uh, let's let's wrap things up tomorrow. Sounds good. All right, Billy Hernan Gomez tomorrow on this Wednesday. And then uh, we'll, we'll say goodbye for a little bit until the NBA draft. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Pelicans podcast presented by Siki.